the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon to you. It's the uh, Saturday before Thanksgiving show here on Woods of Water, South Carolina. Glad uh, and, and appreciate you tuning in today. My uh, co-hostess is not here. She, uh, uh, we all remember college and uh, burning the candle at both ends and in the middle, and what eventually happens to that? Uh, yeah, you get sick, and so she is. Uh, I'm sure a lot of her. She is tired. It's been a busy semester. It, uh, but you know, she is. She is doing 12-hour shifts. With ambulances out of Spartanburg County, Bowling Springs, trying to get her her patient contact hours in, and she's come across all sorts of stuff. So, you know, with her uh, with being tired and trying to do everything, you try to do that first, you know, <laughs> before you realize you can't do everything. Um, it caught up to her, so she's out down for a week or so. Has been and will be. So, uh, if you, uh, if you have a minute, uh, think of Taylor. She is not a very good patient. Does not like being, uh, confined to either the couch or the bed. And, uh, so pray for her and pray for us. <laughs> We're all going to need it this weekend and into this week. And with Thanksgiving coming, it really want her feeling better. So, I know there's a lot of stuff going around, a lot of people out sick, and and uh, remember that. But with with Thanksgiving, you know, I know it's a gosh, you gave me an awfully depressing time of the year. Uh, I understand it. I uh, Christmas more so for the bee. I lost both my grandmothers within a few days of well, one of my one of my grandmothers was the day before Christmas. And one of my granddaddies a couple of weeks before Christmas. So Christmas has always been the one, and because I spent so much time around my grandparents, it's, yes, when I come to this time of the year, I remember a lot of fun things and all that, but I miss them. So I understand this time of the year. If, you know, I don't know you, you probably don't know me, but if it's any help to you, you know, I have two ears. I'm a pretty good listener. Uh, message me on Facebook. We'll talk. You know, I hate to, I hate to, hate to see if you don't have somebody out there, you know, tough luck, but if you need somebody to talk to, call me. We can talk about the outdoors or I can just sit here and listen. It, it makes no difference to me. Did that, uh, speaking of, I've had four, four parents of classmates and my graduating high school class have died over the last two weeks. We had a little get together the other night for just to kind of, you know, support each other and all. Then I had a classmate die the other week. Um, so it's it's 
And all this stuff seems to compound this time of the year. There's no pretty flowers out there, no leaves. You know, they're all dead on the ground, and it's cold. And But just know that out there somewhere, you're being thought of, even if I don't, we don't know you. Um, you you are being thought of, and if you need somebody, reach out. Somebody will listen. I promise you. Uh, it is nice. Oh, this this show is going to be incredible. If you are down and, and a little bit depressed or whatever, then I've got Jacob. Oh no, Bisecker. Yeah, Jake Bisecker is going to be on the show with me this week. He uh he was injured in a hunting accident, a duck hunting accident. Is actually a quadriplegic. Uh, and this just happened recently. He, his accident was on December the 24th of 2020. But he, uh, I read his story. I wanted you to hear it. So he was, we, we've been playing schedule tag for a couple of weeks now. He had to have some surgery week before last, um, or last week, couldn't make last week. So we finally get around to it. He will be on the show to talk about his ordeal his journey um young man with young kids a young child uh and and use this to start waymaker off-road wheelchairs which is a a 501c3 that actually will will deliver wheelchairs to your vacation spot or a venue or a place where you want to use it for hunting or fishing uh free of charge He's going to be able to tell his story. It's a powerful story. Uh, you will be impressed and uh, hopefully inspired and hopefully donate. You know, he says the chairs are expensive. They had to have some repairs. Uh, he does have gas expenses in, involved in delivering these chairs to places where people need them. So that is going to be this week's show. It, it's a good one. Um uh, some of you may know I have a niece who is paralyzed, and it was paralyzed in a car accident. It's been 20 years ago now, hard to believe. Uh, and so, you know, listening to him brought back a lot of memories from those early days with with my niece and all. So, it's uh, it's going to be a great show, and I hope going into Thanksgiving it will make us all more thankful of where we are in life no matter our circumstances at the moment. Um, so anyway, that's the show this week. I do have a calendar events. I do have a few things. Uh, First Light is having a Black Friday sale now. So if you ever wanted some First Light gear, they've got some stuff up to 40, 50% off. Opportunity to get some really good warm hunting clothes. They have duck hunting stuff. They have travel uh, it just has some regular t-shirt stuff. It's, it's, it's a lot of gear. It's good stuff. I've used it for the last three years now. And I'm continually impressed with how warm I've been, how odorless it's been because merino wool is naturally antimicrobial. Uh, combine that with the lemon shield hunt and, uh, you know, you get deer that come in downwind and all I still try to play the wind. I'm really not as, as worried about as I used to be, although I still I still like to you know, be as careful as I can. 
But speaking of calendar events brought to you by Capital City Lake Murray Country, uh, Hickory Knob State Park having their annual Thanksgiving buffet on this Thursday from 11 to 6. And it's, you know, roasted turkey, sliced ham, fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, cornbread dressing and gravy, cranberry sauce, corn, cream, potatoes, white rice, yam patties, potato salad, string beans, cold seafood bar, boiled shrimp, oysters on the half shell, soup and salad bar, dessert station, fruit cobbler, ice cream, and other desserts, $20.95 for adults, $10.95 for kids. It includes a beverage in children's ages four to eleven or ten ninety five. So, if you, if you want Thanksgiving dinner on the house somewhere, Hickory Knob State Park is it. Remember, South Carolina State Parks are free of charge on Black Friday. It's hashtag opt out side SC. In addition to the parks being free of free for entry. Uh, Rose Hill Plantation, Redcliffe Plantation, Hampton Plantation are all uh, open, free of charge. Reservations may be made for the historic home tours, which are open and free also. And then, uh, let's see, then on Friday, <coughs> uh, Rocky Creek, um, Sporting Clays is having a uh, a shoot from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's uh, 100 Clays. Yeah, main event is 85 bucks. 100 registered targets and lunch. $10 back to class. And then they have a fun shoot, $75. 100 registered targets and lunch. $10 for back to class. They have a combo shoot with both events for 140 Plus a five stand-up warm-up, $5 for 10 shirts. Registration opens 8 a.m., lunch 11 a.m., 2 p.m., oysters 3 p.m. until. Now, you got here, if you're not of, of registered by 11, 18, lunch and oysters may not be available. Sorry, you need to jump on it, call them, and see if you can get involved before the, before the food runs out. So hang in there. We're going to listen to a, a great story. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back on the other side. I heard a... On the other end, folks. <laughs> I promise you my guess is... I hope he's not nervous. He shouldn't be nervous. He, he's a heck of a nice guy on the phone. I'm sure he's going to do a great job on the radio. But... uh Welcome back into Woods and Water, South Carolina. Second segment for this Saturday. Hoping you're having a great day. And, um, gosh, you're, you're, fish, you're fixing to get a blessing. That's all I can say about today's show is, uh, is what we're going to talk about for the next, I don't know, segment, two, three segments, however long we take it. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna get a blessing from the show. Some of you, are the a light bulb is going to go off, and you're going to be able to use this to enjoy time with someone, and uh, and maybe a few select people that are listening today are going to directly be benefiting from this show uh, because we're talking to Jacob Bisecker, uh who an act, a hunting victim accident, a victim of a hunting accident, and I'll let him tell us all about it, uh, which led to a 
I won't say a business opportunity, but it is a business. It, it's a it's a five hundred one c three that's in the that provides a service, and we're going to let them talk about that, and then we're going to let them talk about some of this. That it, you, you get the whole picture, but it's going to be a good show, and I appreciate Jacob. First of all, my granddaddy was named Jake, so I have an immediate connection with you there. Uh, as we talked earlier, my niece is paralyzed in a wheelchair. We have that connection in common too, and when I saw what you done back in August, I was like, I just this is just this is going to be great. So I'm looking forward to this show as much as I look to any show in the last nine years. So I appreciate your time and uh, patience getting it all set up, and uh, we're, we're going to have a good time. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We'll take just a moment. Uh, well, Jacob, uh, he's got a story. He's also got a business, Waymaker Off Road Wheelchairs. We're going to talk a lot more about that. Take a minute, and introduce yourself to us. How much? Uh, please tell us how about your hunting accident. I don't know how much detail you want to get to, but at least give us a background for that. And then we'll probably get started on how you started this and, and the burden you had for it. And we'll just see where it goes. We'll take a break. We'll do some more segments. But uh, essentially, the show is yours. All right. I appreciate it. So, uh, like I said, my name is Jacob Bicecker. Um So, one of my biggest hobbies has always been um, just being outdoors. My grandpa kind of taught me how to hunt and fish um, and just spent a lot of time with that with my cousins growing up uh, and everything else. We moved to South Carolina when I was a senior in high school. Okay. Um, found some property um, that I deer hunted quite a bit. Uh, I loved a turkey hunt as well. Um, my brother, he didn't really ever get into uh, any of the hunting and fishing. Well, he did fishing, but he didn't do as much hunting. Um, and really, I was you know, at work one day and he had reached out and was talking about uh, some duck hunting that he did with his buddies. And so okay. I never tried duck hunting, but I'd always wanted to. Um, and so Don't. he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he, uh, he was all stoked about it. And he's like, you gotta, as much as you like to hunt everything else, he said, you would absolutely love it. And so we, uh, you know, he had gone with his buddies and he kind of learned the ropes um, okay. earlier that season. And so I told him, I was like, well, if you you know, you're looking for kind of some swampy beaver pond, stuff like that. I was like, there's there's a, a pretty good section of that on the property that I deer hunt. I said, I've just never messed with it for anything else. Okay. Um, and so he was trying to arrange a date that we could go out there. And so the first day that I had off work happened to be Christmas Eve of 2020. Um, and so, you know, we had arranged everything to be able to go that day. He was going to, you know, take his group of buddies that had gotten him into it, too. So we had a little bit of experience there. Um, but coming up on um, the night before, we checked the weather forecast, and it was supposed to be totally, absolutely crummy. It was um, supposed to be cold, rainy, um, everything else. And his buddies all backed out, and they said, no, we're not, we're not going. Uh, but I knew it was one of the only days that I had to be able to go with them. And I knew how excited he was, and it was just kind of one of those brotherly uh, bonding experiences that sure. I was – really looking forward to having um and so we kind of kept an eye on the weather and we decided you know we'd we'd fall asleep and we'd wake up at four or five and we'd check it again and just kind of see where it stood um make a call from there um so we did that got everything packed up got everything situated got all excited i probably didn't sleep uh, much at all that night and just looking forward to it um ended up checking the weather and it looked like there was going to be a <clears throat> half hour to an hour window that was going to open up right at kind of sunrise and so i texted him i said i'm i'm down for it if you are i was like i'll sit in the rain before 
sunrise fine and you know maybe we'll get a break and they'll start flying and we'll have a good time and so we uh we decided to go for it and so we you know had everything loaded up got the to the property um you know got situated we waited you know it was about a i would say a quarter mile probably of trail through the woods um and then from there it was probably another quarter mile uh wading through some thick mud in the swamp and everything to get wow. back to uh, one of the beaver dams yeah. where we were going to kind of set up and you had a good flyway that we were going to be sitting in. So uh, we did all that, got situated. We were getting poured on the whole the whole, the whole morning in the dark, um, just waiting. Uh, the sun finally started to peek through just a little bit. Um, and that first, you know, that first little bit of light, it was still raining. We were checking the phone. Well, our phones didn't really have much service even where we were at. We were trying to get it to pull up to see if anything had changed. Yeah. Um, so we decided to, to still sit tight we were already there anyway uh, finally got a, a break some ducks started to fly uh, i got my first two wood ducks that morning um and so he was all excited about that um that was you know pretty much it we had a good a good morning decided to finally head back to the truck um as we were wading through back through the swamp where we came from right uh, we decided to i told him i was like well let's just you know stay loaded and and ready just in case we kick something up and we went blank come across some ducks, you know, swimming around that we could potentially get some shots on to still try to fill our limit. And so we, uh, we kept both kept one in the chamber, safety's on and everything else. So we, um, had our guns in hand walking through the swamp. Um, and we got finally through the swamp, didn't end up seeing anything. So we just put our guns, um, we had straps on us. So we threw them over our shoulder and started to make our way back up to the trailhead. Well, the trail kind of dropped off in that transition from the the woods down into the swamp. So it was pretty thick, um, about probably, a, I'd say, a 15-foot drop. Um, you know, not straight cliff face or anything, okay. but it was a good little slope we had to crawl back up through. Um, so we tried to find an easier route, but it ended up just being a lot of thick brush. We crawled through, got back to the trailhead finally. Um, he's a... I was 25 at the time. He was 20. He was in a lot better shape than I was. I had <laughs> let myself go in college a little bit and <laughs> yanked that freshman 15 a time or two. <laughs> he kept part of it. That's know, right. Just as a souvenir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so we got back to the trailhead, and I, I finally told him, I was like, let's just stop for a minute and catch our breath because I'm, I'm beat. And so we, we decided to do that. Um, and during that process, he reached down to pick something up. Uh, his gun fell off his shoulder, and either when he reached back to catch it or it hooked on his clothes or something, but it, uh, the gun went off and shot me through the side. Um, and so it was just kind of like that, just how it is in the movies for me. You know, when there was an explosion, it's just that real high pitch ringing in your ear. Um, that was all that I kind of heard and was just in a daze. And so he immediately, his, you know, face changed. Like, did it hit you? And so I said, I don't know, I don't know. Um, and through the walking through the swamp uh, there was a couple times that morning where um, I had slipped and the water got deep so I moved my phone from my side to my chest um, where that shot ended up hitting me was right in the pocket of that vest um, where my phone would have been kept and then his phone uh, at the time he was not able to make phone calls on it it was only working for basically sending text messages because the speakers were broke ah. uh, so he was trying to find my phone you know where's your phone where's your phone um, and that and the same thing. I was like, I don't know. You got to find it. Uh, so he was able to find my phone. Um, we had just one bar of service that he was able to get a, a call out to um, 911 dispatch. Um, was trying to talk to them. 
I figured just being that it was the property that he'd only been to basically once to scout, once to hunt with his buddies and that third time you know, with me and him, I just kind of figured there was no way in the world he was going to be able to uh, really tell them sure. how to find us. And then once they got to the property, how to direct them back to where we were, where we were at um, and kind of the whole, the whole nine yards there. So I was trying to tell him, you know, over and over just to hang up the phone. Um, let me call my wife if we could get a call out to her and just be able to tell her and the kids goodbye because I really thought that that was kind of the end of the rope for me. Wow. Um, and so he, thankfully he was studying to be a, a PA. Um, and so he's gone through some health science courses with his undergraduate degree. And so he'd kind of gone through some of the generics on how to, you know, handle severe injuries and, you know, treatments and stuff like that. Um, so by this time y'all realized, yeah, you had been shot. Yeah, so he was able to, I guess, find where it went in uh, through my side. So, we've, like I said, it was raining that morning, so I had on a rain jacket, the waders, um, and it was cold. It was like 35 degrees or something, so I had my thick jacket on, a sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, I had five or six layers that he sure. was having to really kind of weed through, and so he was able to um, put enough pressure to stop some of the bleeding. I was hitting uh, in the side, lost my lower two ribs, um, spleen and kidney. Uh, and then also the the shot ended up going up into my chest area and tore, tore a hole through my diaphragm. Um, and so it kind of just let all that blood and everything be able to get up the lungs and everywhere else. And so it was obviously very difficult to keep taking breaths and everything else. But he was, um, you know, there to encourage me the whole time and kind of keep me, keep me with him and talking and, um, you know, just not let me give up really. Right. Uh, and so he was able to finally, I finally heard we, you know, we, the road circles the property on a couple of different sides. Okay. Um, so we were able to kind of hear the, hear the first responders coming. Um, so he was able to, through the phone, you know, I hear you, you know, keep coming back. We getting closer. And so he was able to direct them to us. Um, and so we got good help there, which it really, looking back at the call logs and stuff, we were, we were kind of able to figure out that it took about 45 minutes for, um, Oh my goodness! For us to get help there to where we were at, his truck. Uh, there's a path that goes back to where we were at. Is the only basically trail through those woods there. He parked his truck there, um, and for whatever reason, which I always say, kind of for whatever reason or for for by chance or whatever, but you know, we know it was all kind of God yes. working and orchestrating everything yeah. for sure. Um, but he left his keys uh, in his toolbox, which he, you know, really only did when he was at places where he figured somebody had to move his truck. So um, why he did it that morning when it was just going to be us back there and coming back, who knows. But Wow. Uh, hang hang on, Jake. Let's, uh, that's, I told you this would move fast, and it, yep. that's the first segment. Wow. Um, okay. Let me catch my breath. Y'all uh, <laughs> hang on just a second. We'll be back after the break with more Woods and Water, South Carolina, and Jacob and his story. Welcome back into the show, folks. Um, I uh, I had to take that break to catch my breath. Um, it, this is one of those stories that uh, I'm sure it's not the easiest thing to tell, but as Jake will tell you, it's uh, it was all in God's hands. Uh, God always has had a plan for it, and and the plan is unfolding. 
to this day before Jake's eyes, you know, and, and sometimes it it takes circumstances of life to complete the story, and I think that's what we're going to see as we go forward with this. But I, I Jake, to be honest with you, I was uh, I needed the break. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been I've been hunting my entire life. You know. You cross a barbed wire fence enough, even though you lay the gun down, you point it away from you, you have to pick it up off the ground. Uh, you, you, so many times spent in the woods, there's a chance at any time, and this goes back to, I often tell us about deer hunting, you know, the old Baker tree stand. You know, it was a, what, a 12 inch platform you put your foot on, you grabbed the tree, you hugged the tree, you pulled your foot up, you stood up, you grabbed the tree, you pulled it, and that was how you deer, that was a deer stand back then. No safety harness, no lifeline, no nothing, and, you know, for every one of those instances, there's a percentage of, there's a chance something will go wrong. And for it to go wrong in your first duck hunt, it's just, it just, that, that's the definition of a pure accident. But I want you to continue on with your story. Folks, we're going to let Jake talk a bunch about his story as he will. And then we're going to get on to Waymaker Off-Road Wheelchairs, the need, the vision, and where that is today. But you need the story to put everything else in context. So, you know, you, you left off the last segment. You, you could hear him coming. And uh, and your brother left the keys in his toolbox. So pick up right there and let's uh, let's keep going. Yep. So they, uh, they were able to uh, move his truck out of the way of that path so that you could get the um, – one of the emergency responders, uh, volunteers had a, a truck they drove back there. Um, they were able to pack me out to get me into the truck to get me to the ambulance. Um, so drove me out into the field. They, they were going to fly me to the hospital, but they couldn't get the, the helicopter in the air due to that crummy weather that I was telling you about. Right. Which, which to duck hunters, being a duck hunter myself, I, I love crummy weather. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. We really do, too, from now. I mean... That's been our best days that we've had since. But, sure, yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so they weren't able to get the helicopter, so they uh, got me in the ambulance. I remember getting in the ambulance, and they were debating on where to take me to the hospital, and they told me, they said, now we can't go to uh, Carolina Pines and Hartsville. They said, they're not going to be equipped. We've got to go to Florence. He doesn't have a chance if we don't go to, to McLeod in Florence. And so uh, I heard them start calling out, and I think it was like, 38 minutes or something was the first number that I kind of remember um, them saying. So I heard that number, and I immediately thought, like, yeah, there's I can't make it that much longer. Um, <laughs> like, it's been a struggle to hold on as long as it's been so far. And, right. Um, and so they, they ended up getting me there, um, you know, got me back into emergency surgery and everything else. The surgeon that I had that was on call that night, uh, he'd only been out of uh, his residency for about six months. Um, and so I was one of his, um, first real major cases that he had to deal with. Um, and so they were able to get me stable. I finally woke up, uh, you know, after they had gotten everything, all the blood bleeding stopped and everything else ended up having to have like 13 units of blood or something like that. Um, they replaced, I woke up in the, the hospital room and I just remember asking my mom and wife i was like what day is it and they still said christmas eve and i just looked at him i was like there's no way <laughs> <laughs> no way that all happened in no. the space of a few hours yes yeah, so i was intubated and was able to communicate 
uh, through sign language that I learned when I was a kid. I just remembered all the letters. I was able to just kind of spell things out for my mom and wife and uh, communicate that way. And I remember just my first question was, um, once I figured out, you know, what day it was, I said, where's Peyton at? Um, you know, is he okay kind of thing. And so they, uh, she was like, yeah, he's fine. Um, you know, everything's good. They haven't, you know, done anything crazy like arrested them or made a big right, deal about it. Right, uh, right, So obviously they confiscated the gun for you know, investigation, all that kind of stuff. Sure. But um, other than that, he wasn't, you know. Yeah, pure any kind of pure Any accident. kind of worse situation that I knew was going to be hard on his mental right. state at the time. So right. um, they convinced me of that, and I, was, I remember just – uh, writing down a piece of paper to him that he saved me, and that was wrote that multiple times. Uh, every time we'd be talking about Peyton, is just you know, this wasn't anything that he did. It was a freak thing. Um, sure. And if it wasn't for him, you know, if I'd have been there with anybody else, they wouldn't have been equipped with the knowledge to be able to stop that bleeding and get the help like he did. And so I just kept telling him he saved me, and even Peyton throughout that. Um, my time in recovery and stuff like that, you know, he'd have times, obviously, where it was hard on him um, trying to relive and think through everything. And I just kept trying to tell him, I was like, buddy, I was like, you didn't take anything away from me. You saved my life that day. Yeah. there We spoke just briefly while during the break about the relationship between brothers. Because I have an older brother, Paul, is six and a half years older than me. You're about five years older than your brother, and there, mm-hmm. and and and, we, and I said, I'm sure during that time he was saying, "Hang on" and stuff like that. There are things brothers can say to each other that other people wouldn't know to say that elicit a, a response. And I am sure, and you confirm there. There are things he probably said that he talked about that kept you in the ball game, so to speak. That is, that is that relationship you have with a brother, especially one that you spend any time with outdoors, any time at all outdoors with. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was uh, it was crazy. So I was in the the ICU then for um, a month at McLeod. Uh, they finally transferred me after that month to the Shepherd Center in Atlanta, where I did um, five more months of pretty intensive rehab. Uh, four months of that was inpatient, and then the last month was outpatient. Um, but I remember really getting there. Uh, that was the first time that I'd heard, you know, the the PT came in, and she did all of her tests and everything else, and she said, you're a T11 and L2 um, paraplegic. And I just looked at her, and I was like, do what? Yep. Said, yeah, paraplegic. And um, I said, no, I didn't. It just was one of those things that just catches you so much by surprise i didn't even realize right you know because i've been slid open from the chest down while i you know got in to work on everything i had the hole yeah. on my side i wasn't even able to move in the hospital bed i just i didn't ever really kind of connect the dots i suppose that you know that the pain and stuff in my legs that i was feeling was because of that so um so it was it it was one of those things that just hit you by surprise, but I put in as much work as I could um, during that inpatient throughout that stay. Um, so that would have been from first the, the very end of January, January through um, mid June. Yeah. Yep. Um, during that time in March, uh, my daughter was born, so my wife was. Oh my goodness, Jacob! Twenty <laughs> some weeks pregnant. Um, wow. Let's see it. 
my daughter was born, but due to COVID restrictions and everything else, she couldn't come there to have the baby and me be a part of it. Um, so she just ended up having it with the, the doctor back home that she was comfortable with. Um, as we did the whole FaceTime birth and all that, uh, all that jazz. Um, goodness. So it was, yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of different obstacles to really overcome, but it was kind of one of those things where you, you lean on your faith. Um, I can think of times that I couldn't sleep at night just because of the pain and that all we'd do is just turn on, um, you know, Christian radio in the background just to listen to songs and the word just really hits you different when you're in that kind of a situation. But it was, you know, one of those things that God was always having the, the right words that you needed to hear at the right time. Um, and just getting, I mean, it's one of those things really you just get, you have to get closer to them and cling to them or it's going to yeah. kind of eat you up. Yep. Yep. Got about so a minute was, and a half, so uh, I meant to give you a warning the first time around, but you got about, <laughs> about a minute and a half of this one, so it's basically okay. how you needed to go. Yeah, so uh, during that time at the Shepherd Center, we they do your rec therapy um gets involved to try to cater some activities to to your interests and likes and so they do mine was outdoors and hunting related so that was when they really first introduced you to these track chairs okay all right uh, so they rolled into one took me around the campus got back to the room and i asked the guy i said how much they cost and he said well about 20 grand so i said well how much does insurance help with he said well none none at all i said well, wow. why did you even bother showing it to me yeah <laughs> and uh so that was kind of where it, it said i never thought that I'd even get a chance to, to own one for myself. So it was just kind of one of those things I was really wanting to figure out how how I could get back outdoors and do the hunting and fishing. Um, so I knew sports were going to be pretty much off the table except for some adaptive programs and whatever right. else. So, right. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was kind of just disheartening that I thought the last thing that I might be able to do, hunting and fishing and stuff, was going to be uh, even more of a challenge, just trying to be able to push a wheelchair through the woods or, right. or whatever. So, um, and yeah, so got out of the hospital and ended up a couple months after I got home, found one, uh, for sale on Facebook marketplace used and it happened to be right up near some family in Indiana. Okay. And so uh, we were able to justify spending $5,000 on it real quick to, sure. to purchase it. Sure. Yeah, so that was how I, how I got my first one. The first chair. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, I, Let's stop. We've got about 30 seconds in this segment left. I don't want to get going because I think the first chair is probably where the Waymaker really started. Um, right. Just while, thank, I think going to this break, thank you for sharing all that with us. I think, you know, the it's amazing that going back to being outdoors is a driving force, you know. That's it's, right. it's a way of life, folks. It's not just a pastime. So. Hang on, we'll be back and uh, give you more of the story after the break. And welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina, the final segment for today. Uh, if you have listened for the past two segments, uh, there's your blessing. You know, it's a holiday time of the year. You just... It's like Jake and I were talking. You never know this time of the year what people are going through. Um, you know, I appreciate him telling the story like he did. Um, 
because there's inspiration there. There is, you can make it. You can, you know, with God's help, you can make it through these, these situations. It's, and our family did it when my niece was paralyzed. Jake and his family have done it through, certainly probably with COVID involved and the birth of a child, made it through much difficult, more difficult than what we had it back 20 years ago. Uh, and Jake, uh, publicly thank you for, for telling your story and sharing that with us. I know some of it was probably hard, some of it was probably easy, uh, but either way, thanks for doing that. Um, okay, so you got your first chair, and, and, and like I, we discussed, we're going to kind of move from the first chair to uh, Waymaker Offered Wheelchairs to how people use the chairs, reserve the chairs, and how you can help Jake keep this going. So uh, first chair and, and, the, and the whole Waymaker Offered Wheelchair, uh, mm-hmm. just, let, us, let us know, how did that happen? Yes, I had, like I said, I got that first chair. Um, it came for sale through Facebook Marketplace, um, picked it up from Indiana, came back home with it um, just in time for the start of <laughs> South Carolina's <laughs> super early <laughs> deer season. <laughs> um, and so started, you know, taking it out for that um, pretty much every chance I got. Um, and even the first first couple hunts um, were back to that same property really where my accident was. So Ow. very first hunt that I had out there. Um, you know, had some deer come out. Coyote ran them off, so coyote hit the dirt. <laughs> Absolutely, because <laughs> so, uh, every deer hunt becomes a coyote hunt. <laughs> that's right. So I ended up just mounting him on my wall. Just um, made a real pretty mount. Um, just kind of was a special thing for me. Um, just kind of signifying the first first time getting back out there. And so um, use that chair. I don't even know how much I use it. If I wasn't hunting, I was in that chair around the yard chasing kids. Sure, um, yeah. You know, cleaning stuff up around the yard, anything. Um, so I use that chair all the time. Um, but whenever I'd come back from my hunts uh, or, you know, some property we had, if I was messing around out there with it, I'd have it loaded up on the trailer. Uh, if I had to stop, you know, pick something up from the grocery store for the wife um, or some fast food or fill up with gas or whatever, every time that I'd stop, um, you'd always come back and there'd be somebody standing there taking pictures of sure of the chair, you know, asking more information about it because they knew somebody that could use one, um, right. et cetera. And I just always hated by the end of that conversation, you'd get to how much conversation. Well, how much are they and yeah. where do you buy them? And so I always hated just that part of the conversation because I knew that probably, you know, 95% of the people out there were going to be in the same situation that I was going to be in where I'm um, trying to justify being able to spend 15, 20 grand on a chair that, you know, the average guy may not use as much as I do. So, sure. you know, might sit in their garage 75% of the time and, you know, just very few people would be able to justify that. And right. So I, as many times as that kind of interaction and conversation came up, um, I remember just coming back to my wife and being like, Hey, it was like, what do you, what do you think about if I just started to like loan out my own chair? There's so many people in town. Um, you know, that have just come up to me themselves that there's like a big need here um, for people to be able to get back out off the pavement. Um, you know, people, a lot of times that you see people in wheelchairs, it's not, I mean, obviously there's some chronic diseases and illnesses and stuff that can put people in those chairs, but a lot of times it's like big major accidents like, like I had. Um, yes. So it's people that were used to being able to do all those things that had it all kind of taken away. Um, and so, Insurance just wants to make sure you can get on the the concrete to be able to get 
to the store and back home and into your house, and that's that's about it. And so um, people will be able to get back out, whether it be on trails, hunting, um, to the beach, uh, wherever, uh, just every place that's not paved, really. Uh, these chairs are, are just perfect for them. So, um, you know, kind of tossed that idea around with her, and she, she was behind me 100% and said, go for it. Um, so really we even then started just kind of pitching the idea to some family and friends uh, to see if we could raise money and start getting some shares. Um, the very first fundraiser we had, uh, we had raised a few thousand dollars pretty quick, but the chair that we had found was, uh, I think, $9,000 used. Okay. So they're very hard to find used, um, really, in general. They don't come up that often. So uh, pretty much anything that you can find, is, as long as it's not the new price, is going to be um, – what you got to go for and, you know, the best deal that you're going to be able to get to try to get some of these things. So we, we got that first chair um, after uh, my old boss, John Evans, he came up to me and just said, how much, uh, how much you got left? And so I told him, he said, well, go buy the chair. And he said, if I give you the money, can you get it tomorrow? <laughs> and so uh, wow. ended up getting the money uh, from him, his, his only stipulation. He said, I want to see a picture of the first person that uses it. It's got a big smile across the face. Um and so that was a really awesome gesture by him, um, having that, you know, faith and confidence in me that I was going to be using that money the right way and, sure. you know, for that whole cause. And he kind of saw the vision behind it and the possibilities of, of how it could impact some people as well. So we got that first chair. Uh, we continued to raise some money. The second month, we were able to get a second chair. The third month, we got an enclosed trailer. And it just still, it just said he kind of, Continued to build and build from there, um, and that was all through through donations from family and friends and uh, some of the immediate community around here, um, which was just awesome to see. Kind of everybody pulling together and seeing that vision come to life. Uh, so now we're we're up to we just got our seventh chair in uh, yesterday, actually. And it's from, orange. Yes, it's Clemson, orange. Clemson orange. It had to be. <laughs> but uh. We have the we had one that was donated by a company Top Talent. Um, we had another one that was actually donated by a guy that I was in the Shepherd Center with. Oh um, wow! And so we were both patients together. I think he had more of a full recovery, um, but he just said he said me and my wife have been blessed with the finances, but he said I can't physically go do what you're doing um, from where I'm at and what I've got going on in life. So he said he said the best that I can do is help you out with the money. Because um, I know that you can carry it the rest of the way. He said, I honestly, from the beginning, he said, I was kind of, um, he said, I don't want to say doubtful, but, you know, I just wasn't sure how all logistic-wise it was going to work out. Uh, he said, but but I've just kind of been watching from the background and seeing that, you know, it's going. And so he said, I want to be a part of it. And so he he donated the this actually this, that orange chair that we got. <laughs> and so it was it was really awesome. He said, go set it up how you need it. He said, no, I'll cut the check. Just let me know how much it is. Um, so we were able to do that. Incredible. And yeah, so I mean, we've got people that, that have used these chairs for all different kind of things. Um, do tell. Do tell. Our very first one, we, we partnered up with Hope Outdoors. Um, they do some, some hunts for um, people with life challenges like that. Um, and so we were able to – our first guy was a, little, a turkey hunter, so we got him in a chair. Uh, our second one was uh, a lady up in North Carolina. She had posted in one of the spinal cord uh, support groups on Facebook that um, she had an outdoor wedding and they had just recently dumped new gravel and she wasn't able to navigate um, where her outdoor wedding and stuff was supposed to be in the reception hall and everything else. So she was just kind of panicked and looking for ideas. And so I said, Hey, I said, we've got a track here. If you want to, 
want to ride around in it. And she was totally excited about that idea. So we got her a track chair uh, up there, and she was able to to use it to get down the aisle for her wedding and uh, enjoy the reception and everything else. So it was a that was the coolest, probably the coolest story we've had. Um, and that was right off the bat. We've had um, a lot of people using the summer at the beach. Uh, we had a partnership with Huntington Beach State Park where uh, they kept one of the chairs for us and kept it you know, cleaned off and rinsed off at the end of the days and charged. Um, and so we were able to just send people there where they could use it for the day and take it out. Um, and we also, uh, we deliver all over South Carolina. So if anybody okay. uh, wants to use a chair, uh, we do deliver them um, if they're not able to transport them themselves. Okay. Um, and then the, the kind of the deal we've got is um, everybody's able to use the chair for free. We don't have any kind of costs associated with it. It's totally free for all of our users. Um, we're 100% donor supported. Um, as so we deliver chairs, like if somebody's got a, a vacation at the beach for a week, you okay. know, obviously the Huntington chair may not be something they can have all week, but uh, if they want to have one at their location for a week, we can drop one off. Um, so that way they can actually have a personal chair that they can use uh, for their vacation um, or their hunting trip or whatever that they've got going on. Um, so they can reserve those chairs. But we've had people that use them for, uh, there's, a couple that the the wife she she contacted me and she said I want to get one for my husband. She said we used to go to the beach all the time. He hasn't been able to get out on the beach with us for probably the last five years or so. We used to always go out to the beach and have dinner on the beach. She said I just want to do that again one more time. Uh, so we were able to take her a chair and they were able to to get around and you know have their supper on the beach together and uh, just enjoy some time with each other. We've had another guy that he used his to propose to his uh, soon-to-be wife on the beach. So there's been all kind of really awesome stories wow. of people using these chairs in different different ways. Um, and just, I mean, story after story after story of people that I've never been able to get on the beach. Or it's been 20 years since I've been able to, to get out and, and hunt or, you know. Yeah. Just so many of those uh, different stories. It's just been, that's been honestly the most fulfilling part for me is, um, <laughs> obviously we're such so far into the infancy stage uh, of the business that we're not making any money at all uh, for ourselves, but, but getting to hear those stories and see those smiles and faces and just all that, just really, I mean, that does more for you than any dollar. Well, I promise oh, you. I promise you. I, I can, I can only imagine folks. It's, it's real easy. It's waymaker offroadwheelchairs.com. Um, yep. there, you know, homepage about how to reserve it. Uh, some of the events, some of the places y'all been, uh, and, and if you follow on the Facebook page, you'll post if you're going to be somewhere where people can come try the chairs out. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a donation button there. Contact us. What? Okay, you got about 15, 20 seconds. Do you need another chair? Do you need just some funds for repairs? What? What? Where would you like it to come from? Yeah, we're definitely always looking to expand our chairs. Okay. Even the seven we've got now, they stay. Um, pretty much constantly booked out and gone. Um, we're starting to get to the point where enough people are hearing about it that we're having to turn people away. So um, any money we get, we try to try to spend wisely and get those used chairs uh, to make our dollars go as far as we can. We're looking to get uh, more used chairs in the future um, as well as, yes, there's a constant kind of maintenance budget as well as transportation budget to be able to get those chairs out. Jacob, you have an incredible story. Thank you for sharing it with us. We will make sure you uh, stay front and center. Folks, get out there. We'll see you next week. More Woods and Water, South Carolina. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.